The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, but turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. I see no children, so you may be seated. And we'll continue. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Last week, we began our Sundays in Lent, dwelling in a pattern that we see in our worship services. Every time we hear scripture, we have the opportunity to sing, to respond. We have the Old Testament and we have a psalm, which is our response, sometimes sung, sometimes spoken. We have the New Testament, and we have the anthem, a response. We have the gospel and my words, good or bad. And we have a hymn of response, just to be sure. We hear the word and we sing. We hear the word and we sing. We hear the word and we sing. And we've made that our Lenten journey. And experience the word and experiencing the word made flesh, we have come to ask what is our song? What is our response? And not a response in the way that somehow God needs us to respond in order to give us salvation, not in the response that God needs us to do something if as if God couldn't do everything on God's own behalf. We have already been chosen. We are already loved. It is already finished. We are simply asking, upon hearing this good and glorious news, how do we react? How do we respond? Last week we began in acknowledging that this response, it begins in water, and it begins in covenant, and it begins in promise. It's anchored, no matter what we do, with our lives. It's anchored in this watery covenant. In the flood, God made promises 
to Noah and all of creation, never to flood the earth again. And in our own baptismal waters, the waters we share with Christ, God made promises to you and to me that we are chosen and beloved people of God and that no matter where we go in life and no matter what we do in life, we are always and forever beloved and chosen people of God. This will never perish. And today, and looking at the Old Testament and at the New Testament, we have this sense of orientation, of identity, of everything beginning with a name. Consider Abram and Sarai, later called Abraham and Sarah. Consider what they went through. Abram and Sarai had been their names for longer than any of us have been alive. And each one of us carrying our own name throughout life begin kind of, never neutral, but begin unshapen and unformed. And as we go through life, our name has things attached to them. Mine does as well as yours. My name, over the course of my life, has, you know, light things attached to it, like blue eyes, has a beard, quickly losing hair, stuff like that. But it's also got meaningful things attached to it, like brother, son, husband, pastor. Your names, too, over the course of your lives, have had those light things attached to it, but also the meaningful things attached to it, the things that weave us together and make us who we are in life. There's a lot to a name. And Abram and Sarai, having more life than any of us, had a lot in their names. And then, God changed it. There doesn't seem to be much that happens in that moment, does there? It's not like a pillar of cloud came down and all of a sudden led them everywhere they were going to go. It's not like angels descended and sang with them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Nothing happened besides God making a few promises and changing their name. But in that, everything afterward is anchored. Their promise, the promise that God made to now Abraham and Sarah is a promise that they will be the mother and father of a multitude of people. That they will be the family through which God makes a covenant with them and with all the families of the world. They will be the people, the priests of our globe. Their names and everything that was attached to them as Abram and Sarai no longer matter. Good things throughout their life and bad. They are now Abraham and Sarah and their entire identity is based on God and what God is doing. That same change in identity follows us to the gospel story today, doesn't it? What Peter does makes all the sense in the world. If you or if I had a friend that was walking around and openly talking about how he was going to be rejected by everyone in authority around him, 
how he was going to be eventually captured and killed and then rise again. While one-third of that is great, two-thirds of that scares me beyond all measure. And so, at the very least, I would say something. Why are you walking around saying that everyone's going to kill you? It makes sense that Peter should address that. It makes sense that Peter should stick up. It makes sense as a disciple, as a friend, as a fellow human being, to say, what are you doing? You are going to get yourself killed. Peter is thinking about the things that make sense to us. The things that are attached to our name. Peter is thinking as someone with a beard and quickly losing hair, but also thinking as someone, as a friend, a disciple, a person. Jesus is thinking not in those terms, but in terms of what does God want me to do and who has God made me to be? Forget about life. Forget about name. What has God chosen me for? And so it is with us. You have names. You have jobs. You have lives. And in all of it, it is second. It is second to the same waters that preceded us. It is second to the baptismal waters that cover you. It is second to your identification as brothers and sisters to Christ, as adoptives, daughters, and sons of the living God. You are no longer Abram and Sarai. You are now Abraham and Sarah, and your entire lives are anchored by what God would have you be, and what God would have you do. And everything else comes after. We hear the word and we respond. We hear the word and we respond. We hear the word and we respond. So what's our response? What do you do with a God that doesn't just want your Sunday mornings, but wants all of you exhaustively and wholly. What do you do when a God claims more right to your life than you have? I guess we'll see. You see, this isn't a hypothetical thing. This is the reality of our lives. This is the reality of who we are. We are living in this right now. The waters have washed over you. You have been chosen as sons and daughters of God. Right now, God is making a claim and always has made a claim to your entire life. The waters of baptism are twofold. All those things that used to stick to your name that were good and wonderful and you took great pride in have washed away and you have nothing to stake your pride on but God. And all those things that haunted you, that you couldn't get rid of, and that were your true downfall have been washed away. And you are nothing but God's. The living word is here with you now. 
And the only thing it has to share is a great and deep love for you. It has no words of condemnation because it has already chosen you. And it has no words of regret because it has lived with this for an eternity. This word of God made flesh is here now with a great, deep love. How shall we respond? Thanks be to God for a process in which we get to discover that together. And thanks be to God for the only words being spoken. That great, deep love. Amen.